Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. I love that scripture verse that we find in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, that says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. God makes it very clear that his intention is that Jesus would be the center of everything, the center of our plans, our programs, our prayers, our events, uh, complete devotion. Uh, it's not that he's to have first place in our life. He's the, he is to be our life. He's not just a footnote or an addendum. He is the entire story. And yet, distractions prevent us, keep us, away from fixing our eyes on Jesus. I heard one lady say that this story was obviously uh, written uh, by a man because there's no details. Uh, She said, she just wanted to know, was Mary a lazy person? Did she often sit around the house when Jesus wasn't in the home? Is she the kind of girl that just watched everyone else do all the work around her? Uh, she said, like, was Martha, like, a neurotic perfectionist? Was she always running around telling everybody else what to do? I mean, because here, there's two sisters in the same household. Mary is sitting down. Is it because she was just tired of Martha telling her, always bossing her around all the time? And, and why is Martha, like, so bold uh, in her approach to Jesus? I remember just saying, I want the details. And really, we just got the story kind of in a nutshell. We got the condensed version here. And and some people just like to know more details. I want to know the personalities of of these ladies. But I think the story really wants to help focus us just on Jesus and leave all the other things that maybe could distract us uh, in the story. And so what we find here is that Martha just opens her home, and guess what? Jesus shows up with 12 of his buddies. 12 of the disciples are traveling with him. Ladies, just picture your husband coming home from work, not, giving, not sending you a text, no, no email, no phone call, telling you that he's gonna bring some guys home and he just opens the door and says, hey, honey, I'm home and I bought 12 of my buddies here. I told them you'd have no problem uh, feeding them tonight. Yeah, imagine that happening, and you know, once you give your evil eye to your husband and you invite him to say, hey, can I talk to you, honey, in the other room? And you kind of just lay it out, what are you doing bringing all these people? Now, fortunately, in the day and age that we live in, you can just get on the phone and call little Caesar, but Martha, she doesn't have that option. There's no little Caesar uh, to call. So she has this pressure to have everything you know, look good and, and taste good, Now, before we get all high and mighty and say, oh, who who cares about supper? Martha, Jesus is in your home. He's in your living room. Just sit there and listen. She's just simply putting some plans into action. She she just realized, I got to feed the guest. She just wants to serve the Lord and her guests. Because remember, when, when Jesus walked in the house, the, the pastor says she, she, happily, she gladly opened up her door. She, she flung the doors open and said, welcome, so glad that you could be here. There's no comment in here that says, oh, Jesus, I see you brought your 12 closest friends. <laughs> Great. 
No, there's nothing sarcastic about that. She's excited that they came through the door. But somewhere between the welcome and the work, something, something shifted. I mean, there's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up everything that he is saying. And Martha is in the kitchen working her fingers to the bone to make preparation so everybody could eat. By the way, the scene that I described in these verses is actually a very controversial uh, scene. Because this is not the culture, this is not the customs that women would sit at the feet uh, of a rabbi. Men do that. The disciples uh, would sit at the feet of rabbis, not women. And here we just see that there's a woman sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's so highly unusual. But once again, there's Jesus elevating women. See, the culture, the, the customs of the day would have had the women in the kitchen preparing the meal uh, for the men. And so, and so Martha's just frustrated. She's irritated. And we see that when she speaks to Jesus because her approach uh, is so bold and, and so direct and so up close in your face kind of talk. And so what we got going on here is a little bit of a sibyl, uh, sibylline rivalry, you, you know, Kind of reminds you maybe if you have kids when they were younger and you tell them to clean up the, the TV room and, and one says, hey, Johnny's not doing his part. You told us to clean up the, the TV room and he's not doing his part. Kind of complaining about the other person. Well, that's kind of what's happening right here in the text. Now, an interesting fact about Mary, I, I, I don't think I really realized this and until uh, this week when I was studying but every time Mary is mentioned in the Bible, this particular Mary, every time, she's always at the feet of Jesus. When her brother Lazarus uh, died, she ran to Jesus. When Jesus was coming to, to, uh, to the town, to Bethany, she runs to Jesus and she falls at his feet. Say, oh, if my brother had, if you had just been here earlier, my, my brother would have lived. And so there she's at his feet. And another passage of scripture, we find that she takes this very expensive perfume and she pours it over Jesus' body and then wipes his feet with her hair. Like every time Mary is mentioned, she is at the feet of Jesus. Now, now Jesus knows what is on Martha's plates. Uh, he knows that she's trying to provide a meal for everyone in the house. It wasn't a bad thing that she was doing, but there was a better thing that she could have been doing. And it's no wonder with, with, with all the noise and the distractions that things come between you and God or, or me and Jesus in 2020. I mean, the emails, the texts, the social media, the news, the relationships, the craziness. And somehow... We're supposed to sit still. I mean, these noises keep coming in between us. And so I guess the question I've been asking myself, I'll ask you the same question. What are the distractions, the noises that pull you away from Jesus? Now, for some, maybe it's technology, you know, always fighting for our attention every time something happens you know, on our phones. And let's be honest, sometimes sitting with Jesus just doesn't seem practical. It doesn't seem like it's the best 
option. I mean, sometimes that's how we feel. I think we can just be honest. That's sometimes how we feel about it. As I read the story over and over again, I was asking myself, Donald, who are you most like? Are you like Martha, who's fame busy? Are you like Mary, who just kind of sits there and soaks it all in? Like, what are the distractions that pull us away from Jesus? You see, Martha is doing some good stuff. It's not like she's in the other room looking at pornography. It's not like she's in the other room like smoking up with a little bit of pot. No, no, no. She's doing a good thing. She is doing what she perceives to be right and righteous. She's getting things done. She's not in the back room. Hashtag, hey, Jesus is in my living room, everybody. But it's, sometimes it's the good things that can distract us from Jesus. This week, as I was studying this passage and reading it and rereading it and praying through it, I honestly felt like I was slapped in the face. I felt like I was looking in the mirror and I did not like what I saw. You know what I realized? Jesus would rather be with you than you working for him. Jesus would rather you be with him than work for him. Let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this for myself this week. Like, how, how do you spend time with Jesus? What are those times that it just feels so uh, enriching? It kind of fills your soul. Well, I, I was thinking about that this week. And you know when, when my soul gets filled? You're going to think this is crazy. But when I, when I go for a bike ride on my own, and, and my mind just gets captivated about the things of God. It's just a rich, rich time for me. Do you know what? I've been on my bike twice this summer. And yet that's the time that I know feels very enriching when I'm out by myself and I'm riding a bike through the woods. And, or times when, when music fills my head with, with wonderful truths uh, uh, about God. Do you know what else actually fills my soul? Like just that time, it kind of slows. You're gonna be, you think I'm crazy, you may even laugh. Is faith-based films? I do not go because of the good acting. No, because I know a lot of them don't have great acting. But there's something about just sitting still and just thinking about some of the the goodness of God, the workings of God, and seeing God on the move, forcing myself just to be still and see what God's doing. Well, Jesus responds to, to Martha, and he, he, he says her name twice, and the nuance here is there's an intimacy. It's not like, Martha, Martha. It's not like the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. No, no, it's like, Martha. Martha, you know I love you, right? Martha. And there's this term of endearment. Now, here's the dangers of distractions. Martha begins to blame others. First thing she does, don't you care? Don't you care? She, I mean, she actually starts blaming Jesus. Don't you care what my life looks like? Don't you, don't you care of all this work that I have to do on my own? By the way, I see that all the time in our culture. 
We blame uh, Jesus for stuff all the time, stuff that we never actually, actually ever included him in our decision-making. Maybe who we're dating or marriage or career or the purchase of our home or, or, or our car. We're like, why would you let me buy that lemon of a car? Why would you let me buy a house like this? And sometimes we never, ever included him in the decision process. But we'll, we're quick to blame God. And while Martha has all the destruction, there's Mary sitting still at the feet of Jesus. So here's Martha. She's telling Jesus what to do. Martha is telling God what to do. Just think about that. She is ordering him around. And sometimes we find ourselves doing the same thing. God, just stop her from doing that to me. God, are you going to to give me a job or not? God, am I going to be single for the rest of my life? Come on, do something about that. God, do you see me down here in my situation? We just like to order God around sometimes. Maybe, maybe it's just time for us to sit still at his feet. We are living in a time where there is the highest level of anxiety and anger and frustration because we cannot control things. So it might be better to actually spend time with the one who is in control. I heard this statement this week for the first time, and I I just felt it was powerful. It says, if dependence is the goal, weakness is the advantage. If dependence is the goal, like to be completely dependent upon God, then weakness is our advantage. Um, Sometimes I'll go on the internet and I'll I'll find photos that I just love where you'll see a child just clinging on to a parent. And I I just think about that in my relationship with the Lord. Like there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is going to come in between us. Nothing is going to distract me from you. God, I'm just going to hold on to you because I don't have what it takes. I got to hold on to you. Now, I know it seems so counterintuitive when we're so busy to sit at the feet of Jesus, to sit and be still with Jesus. But it's completely necessary. Like I know I know our culture is busy, but we're never going to thrive. We may survive, but we're not going to thrive without spending some time with Jesus. I heard someone say, I thought it was kind of interesting, I heard someone say that the word busy is an acronym. B-U-S-Y being under Satan's yoke. He uses busyness of life to distract us. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I have to spend three hours in prayer this morning. You know what I often say? I have so much to do, I only got 15 minutes to pray. Jesus says, But there are a few things, but actually there's only one that's actually needed. Luke 10, 42. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out 
Donald, is your life just, um, marked by distractions or devotion? I'd ask you the same question. Is your life marked with distraction or devotion? The reason, I've been trying to think, like, Donald, why is it that some days you don't read your Bible? Like, what's the reason for that? Well, the reason we don't read our Bible is because sometimes, sometimes, uh, we don't think it's a, a worthwhile activity. I, I'm not sure that we're always convinced that spending time with Jesus will make a big difference in our life. By not spending time with Jesus, I think we're saying, though we would never say it verbally, I actually have something better to do. Life is a journey of learning what is important. And I really think we've been called to a life where we fight against the distractions and devote our time just spending some time with Jesus. I am always, I'm always looking for things to do for God. But you know what? I rarely am looking for ways to spend time with God. Sitting still with Jesus seems like work. And working for Jesus sometimes just seems like real excitement. For some of us, I know, I, I, I've certainly heard, I've said it at times myself. We say, oh, the Bible is so complicated. It, it's so confusing. I, I just don't, I don't understand it. And sometimes we get jealous of those people who just say, well, well, I spent some time with Jesus this morning. Just Jesus, me and my breakfast. Man, did he tell me some stuff this morning. It was good stuff. And you're like, really? And you got that all from the book of Leviticus? Like you're just kind of amazed by it. So when you say it's hard, it's complicated, it's confusing, do you know what I want to say? I want to say, you know what? That's a gift. You're like, what? Come on, come on, call it a gift. I, I find the. I just said I find the Bible hard to understand. I find it confusing. See, this is what it means when you. When you have a hard time reading the Bible, that means you've got to read it a little bit slower to take it all in, which means you'll, you'll read it over a number of times. What a gift not to understand it immediately when you first read through the, through the scriptures because you get to spend extended time with Jesus. That's what I have to do. Sometimes I read through like, I don't get this. I find myself, I have to read it again and read it again. In reality, I'm spending more time with Jesus. And that's where I, I have to let the Spirit of God reveal the things of God from the Word of God so I actually can be the man of God. What a gift. What a gift. And living in 2020, we have blogs and podcasts and books I mean, we can actually have someone read the Bible to us. We can have the Bible acted in front of us on the screen. We have so much to do, let me tell you, in this life. 
that we better start our day with him. And I'm realizing more and more each day, I can't actually even do anything without him. So the question that I've asked myself all week, and I'm going to ask you, is your life marked by distraction or devotion? Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.